May 18, 2019. The Nats win a little, but can't sustain momentum. Two months in, it's time to be asking, is this who they are? Plus, Steven Strasburg is an ace with an opt-out, and the Yankees are playing well, even though they're hurt. Apparently, that's allowed. From Bethesda, Maryland, it's Jacob Rash. From Boston, Massachusetts, it's Johnny Rash. This is the Rashcast with Jake and John. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of the Rashcast with Jake and John. I'm Jake. And I'm Johnny. Today is Sunday, May 19th, 2019. We're recording this morning at 10 a.m., so we won't have coverage of the 7 o'clock game, uh, Sunday night game. But the Nats have, I guess, had a pretty decent week this week. They've gone 3-2. Yeah, and two. Uh, Probably their best week they've had uh, in quite some time, if not all season, especially against some hard teams. You know, Well, the Mets are falling now, but the Cubs are a good team. They're the best team. Probably in the NL Central, um, and you can tell why from their lineup. You know, it's only one on one against them, but last night the game looked really good. Um, you know, the team looked good outside of one base running gaffe by Adam Eaton and but one that, uh, pass ball gaffe or two two pass by Jan two Gomes. by Jan Gomes, right. which has been weird. That's been a weird thing that's happened a lot this season. I think that on the broadcast they said that was his fourth pass ball this year. Which, you know, you acquire Jan Gomes because he, he's supposed to be a good defensive catcher. And it looks, that's that's weird that he has had so many pass balls. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's that's sort of what I want to talk about is that this team, even when it's playing, you know, you could argue well. I, I wouldn't. But, I mean, they still have two losses this week that were excruciating just from the standpoint of, of playing baseball, you know, in a fundamentally sound way, uh, especially mm-hmm. you, know, you, you look at Tuesday's game. You have the the double play not turned, leading to hit, walk, grand slam in the first inning, uh, which would be normal if it wasn't part of a pattern. But then you look at at Friday's game, and there were just so many bonehead plays, uh, and I keep thinking about. The Brian Dozier play in the seventh inning, the bottom of the seventh with a runner on third, two out, ball skips in the dirt. Dozier comes, but then he sees that the the ball ricochets back to Edwards, the pitcher, and he freezes, which was just, I mean, you, you go where you don't go, but if you freeze, there's no chance of you being safe. There's, there's nothing that could happen. That would lead to you being safe. It was just, you know, I feel like that's part of the pattern. Even the, the veterans on this team are regressing and seemingly, you know, losing their ability to play fundamentally sound baseball. Yeah. It, it just seems like nobody wants to make a mistake and everyone's overthinking everything. And because of that, you know, they make the mistakes. Um, I think FP was talking about this week how – he hasn't seen a bullpen that has so much movement in their pre before they throw. And he said, you know, that a lot of that is because maybe of nerve of because, you know, you're, you're out there, you're nervous, you're thinking about it a lot. You don't want to be the guy who, who messes up tonight. Um, and to go back on something I said just a few seconds ago about four, 
pass balls for Jan Gomes, actually five, which leads the league in pass balls, tied with Wilson Ramos and a few others. And the Nationals lead the league in baseball and pass balls with eight. Yeah, um, and, and the weird thing about Gomes is, yeah, that five pass ball mark, you know, he had six all of last year, and that was a career high. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's May 19th. And he's already, it's just, you know, and yesterday it happened with runner on second both times. And they were both missed signs. But FP sent out a tweet last night, which I can't see because I'm blocked by FP on Twitter. But uh, he said something about how it appears like Gomes has on several occasions forgotten what pitch he called. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think, you know, if you looked at Strasburg's body language after that second pass ball, uh, yeah. He didn't even cover home plate, which is not good. I mean, Rendon also made. I mean, thank God Rendon made that awesome play uh, to get the guy at home. It was a great throw and a good tag by Gomes too. But yeah, it, it looks like you know. And the worst part about it was they're on the same at bat. Um, you know, first and second, two outs, pass ball gets around to second and third, and then another pass ball scores a run, almost scores two if it wasn't for Rendon. Um, and you know that just. You know, you can't have that happen. You really can't. That's the most... And the first one was on a fastball. I don't remember what the second one was on. The first um, one was on a curveball. First one was on first one. Second one was on a cur- fastball. That's right. Right. How do you get... You know, it's it's a truly, you know, remarkable to get... You know, the worst thing about it, though, was that he came out... Young Gomes, they got crossed up on signs. Okay, that happens. He comes out and talks over the signs with Strasburg. And then two pitches later, he gets crossed up on signs again. Yep. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before on a non-knuckleball pitcher. It's just, it was, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, this is this is what I'm talking about. This team makes, yeah, I mean, this team makes mistakes that you don't see at the major league level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it's time to start talking about, you know, we're, we're more than a quarter of the way through the season now. I mean, it's time to start talking about what this team is and what their identity is. Uh, And I think they've shown enough to say that this generally is who they are. Yeah, I think this week is a good indicator of what this team actually will be for the season going out. I don't think they're going to be the team that they were in the first month and a half necessarily. I mean, as bad. I think they're a team that will play over 500 ball for the rest of the season but will also show what what holds them back from being a great team or a good team even are these, you know, even in their wins, there are bonehead mistakes that, you know, a good, well-coached, well-run team shouldn't be making. And it will scratch your head a bit. It will make you f- frustrated with this team. But I do think they'll, you know, I don't think they'll, make, they'll be good enough to make the playoffs or maybe even come close to being 500 or be close to being 500. But I, I think they'll be playing, you know, generally better ball with a healthy lineup. And I think Trey Turner is honestly, you know, maybe absence makes a heart grow fonder, but I think Trey Turner is one of the more important bats in this lineup and getting him back is the most important bat in this lineup, mainly because of what he does when he gets on base. Um, well, that, that and the fact that his replacements were so abjectly so, terrible. I mean, yeah. Keyboom and Defoe, according to B-War, combined for negative two wins above replacement. Oof. So they cost the team two wins in, you know, we're talking 45 games. 
Mm-hmm. So, I I just think that you know getting Turner back, this is what the lineup will look like. You know, Robles got did get hurt in the first game. We had a healthy lineup for all of you know two innings, three yeah. innings, uh, which is frustrating. But I think you know with Turner back in the fold, this lineup will be producing a little bit more more runs. And with the starting pitching, you know, the top three being as good as it has been this year, I think, you know, there is a real opportunity for this team to take every three of every five games, um, which is good. You know, three of every five is is uh, 600 baseball. I don't think they'll play 600 baseball, but I think they have the opportunity to do that. Um, I think they'll probably play around 530 clip for the rest of the season going out. Well, they need um, to play 600 baseball if they want to get to 90 wins. That's how far yeah. behind the eight ball they put themselves. Yep. Um, but yeah, but I want to tell you about something actually good that's been happening this season, and that's been uh, Steven Strasburg so far. Um, you know, last night was one of his better was one of his best starts this year. Um, eight innings, two runs, a one earned. As we said, two pass balls cost a run. Uh, dropped his season ERA to 332, and I think one of the most impressive parts of his start was it only took him 93 pitches to get through eight innings, which is something you don't really see as much these days. I mean, you saw you know, Kyle Kendricks, tonight's starter for the Cubs, throw a complete game on 81 pitches, which was impressive, but you're not seeing, you know, with a number of reasons, you know, these days, you don't see pitchers go that deep without such a low pitch count. Um and so Strasburg, you know, his his season has been very good this year. As the three thirty two ERA, his strikeout per nine is the highest it's been, um, and in his career eleven point four, and so you know you look at his numbers, and then you look at the fact that he has an opt out at the end of the year, um, and you wonder if he stays healthy this year, does he take that opt out? And what do you do? You think he does? No, I mean. In this market, when he's a, a going to be a 31-year-old starting pitcher with a history of arm issues, first of all, yeah. he wouldn't have signed this extension if he didn't like being here. And the whole reason, like he, he was four months away from free agency. Obviously, there's some risk there. You can always get hurt. And he did, as a matter of fact. He tore his flexor tendon, uh, which would have probably led to him, had he been on the free agent market, when he was supposed to, getting less of a deal than he actually got. But uh, that being said, at the time, the risk was relatively low and the time to get to free agency was short. But he decided to sign that that extension anyway. I mean, obviously it wasn't really a team-friendly extension like you would describe it, but he had no need to sign an extension like that and he chose to anyway. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he likes it here. Uh, the fact that the pitching market outside of, you know, I mean, Strasburg would go on the market as either the best or the second best starting pitcher. It'd be him and Cole. Uh, but I just, I don't think he wants to leave. Uh, I don't know that he would get a better deal than the four and 100 that's left on his contract. Uh, I mean, he probably would be, but it, you know, might not be worth the heartbreak or the heartache. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think of all the problems that the Nats are going to have this off season, I don't see Strasburg as being one of them. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with for all those reasons. I mean, mainly that the, the market is just not anywhere close to what it was even when he signed in 2016. Um, you know, you've got you have Dallas Keuchel still unsigned, who was a Cy Young Award winner. Uh, so I think he'll stay. You know, and you never know. You know, hopefully he doesn't get hurt this year. Um, but uh, speaking of starting pitching who has gotten hurt, uh, we lost Annabelle Sanchez this week um, to a hamstring injury, which also plagued him has plagued him in the past. He's had a lot of hamstring injuries. Um, and now we're going to start Eric Fetty in his place. But you look at Annabelle Sanchez this year, and his numbers are very bad. Um, 5'10 ERA. Uh, walking five point three per nine. Yeah, giving that's up the most almost part. ten hits, ten hits per nine too. Um, you know his his WHIP is at one point six seven, which, oy, yeah, um, not great, not great. And we're paying him, you know, nine million this year, I believe. Well, I mean, it's complicated. It's eight it's million com- yeah. and nine million, but it's deferred. It's I mean, it's it's very yeah. it's a weird deal. It's a Mike Rizzo special, or I yeah. should say, a Ted Lerner special. Ted Lerner special, yeah. yeah. Um, God, I think every one of his statistics, no, not home run per nine, is, wouldn't be a career high. Neither would hit per nine because he's been bad before. But now we look at who his replacement, or who we we replaced him for, and it's Tanner Roark, who we traded uh, Cincinnati uh, for Tanner Rainey, who's now up in the major leagues. Yes. Um, and Roark's been surprisingly good this year. I mean, not surprisingly. He's always been pretty good. But, you know, you expected maybe in a, bar, in a small box like uh, in Cincinnati, a uh, small stadium like Cincinnati, he would have a lot of problems. You know, he had been prone to giving up home runs. Um, and he's never really pitched well in Cincinnati. But that has not been the case this year. Um, nine starts, 350 ERA, only two home runs allowed, only one in Great American Ballpark this year. Um, you know, his, his walk rate is up this year from years previous, but you know, everything else is around the league average. His strikeouts are up. Uh, it's actually had a career high strikeout per nine. Uh, so you, you look at that and you wonder what, why did Rizzo make that move? Why did he feel so compelled? You know, uh, I don't, I don't know that it was a Rizzo decision. First of all, I feel like yeah. it was more of a, ownership decision that the ownership did not want to pay a league average starter like Tanner Roark $10 million when they could have Anibal Sanchez, who Nats evaluators were clearly very high on to give him in this market two years. Uh, but basically the same money. What's that? Of basically the same money. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, it goes down again to the big failing of this offseason being a failure to evaluate your own talent. Uh, you know, Roark was a league average starter who was durable. Uh, and, you know, even if he never got back to the 2014 2016 form, was still a very useful pitcher and a useful pitcher at $10 million. And they. Mm-hmm shipped him off to Cincinnati to put, you know, all their faith in the hands of Anibal Sanchez, who had been bad the two years previous, uh, was good in 2018, 
the peripherals didn't really line up. So you, you put a lot of faith into the advanced metrics, which told you he was getting weak contact. Uh, you know, it's sort of a a situation where you, you fail to evaluate your own talent and then also compounded that by failing to evaluate properly the talent you were bringing in. I mean, yeah. And you see the same thing with Greg Holland and, and Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know, another good example of that would be them too. Um, but go on. Well, no, that, that was... Oh, okay. Uh, right. I mean, it, the, with Holland, the Nats had him for two and a half months. Uh, they got a chance to get a good look at him. They never really pursued him in the offseason. I mean, obviously... You don't sign, if you're Greg Holland, you don't sign a $3 million one-year deal if you're heavily pursued. But they didn't bother to sort of, you know, after it was clear that they still needed another arm, even after they signed Rosenthal, they didn't bother to look at Holland. And now Holland has been phenomenal. He's striking out 12 mm -hmm. for 9. Uh, he's got a 180 ERA. He's got 8 saves. Uh, he's exactly the type of piece that this bullpen is missing. Uh, meanwhile, Trevor Rosenthal is at double A and still can't throw a strike, which obviously you yeah. can't you can't blame Nats talent evaluators for seeing that or not yeah. seeing that. But I mean even in spring training he was throwing strikes. I don't know it's it has to be at this point all mental uh, oh, with yeah. him. It's he's in a he's in a he's in a fluke. Oh yeah, he's it's in a funk. I mean it's just He's, I, I, but the point is he hadn't been a, an effective pitcher in the major leagues for three years, and you went with him over the guy you had seen with your own eyes. Uh, yes. So it's sort of a a lack of faith in your own players, uh, and a, a poor job of evaluating your own talent. Uh, mm. I mean, those are the two best examples, but. Obviously, yeah. you know, the the trades that they've made have shown that to some extent. I mean, Jan Gomes has been really atrocious. And, yep. I mean, I obviously. Mean, my, my thought, I was thinking this last night. You know, you have two catchers. One of them is performing better than the other. Do you start giving one of them more playing time? Mm -hmm. I mean, Suzuki is hitting, has an 832 clip this year. Um, you know, is actually hitting for power. He's looked pretty good whenever he's played. He's looked like, you know, he looked last year, if not a little bit better. Uh, actually, looks like it was in 2017. He has very similar statistics. Um, so do you start playing him more over Gomes? Because Gomes, if you can't catch the ball, you know, it's called catcher, not dropper. Um, if he can't do that and he can't hit, you know, what's the point of keep playing him? Kind of switch to like a 3-2, you know, Four one kind of thing where you give Suzuki the more brunt of the, the workload. Well, I mean, the truth is that it's it's too early in the season to totally give up on Gomes when he's got a track record. I mean, the guy's only played, you know, less. He's had had less than a hundred at bats. He's only played thirty one games. That's not that many. Uh, and you know, he's only started twenty six games, uh, which mm -hmm. is just, I mean. It's hard to give up on a guy who's got a track record as long as he does uh, 
based on that small a sample size. That being said, yeah, you can switch to a 3-2 type situation. I mean, I wouldn't go yeah. starter backup, but yeah, you can give Suzuki ride the hot hand, give him the majority of the starts, mm-hmm. uh, especially yeah. when Gomes has looked so sort of unplayably bad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, one of the big things this season for the Nats has been, you know, a lot of people forgiving Davey Martinez for the Nats' slow start due to injury. Um, and whenever that's been said, I've said this many times on Twitter and on the podcast is that's not a valid excuse. Look at the Yankees, um, who have been able to keep afloat dude with their numerous injuries. Uh, not just keep afloat. I mean, they've been thriving. They're a half game out of first place. They're 10 games over 500, 27 and 17. They'll be in first. Yeah. And they've lost, let's see, they lost first base. They've lost, they lost, um, let's see, they lost. First base, they've lost at shortstop. They've lost at third base. They've lost at left field. They've lost at center field. They lost in right field. They lost their DH. They lost two starting pitchers. They've lost. Um, I think that's it. But that's no, a lot. No, they've it's lost crazy. their. You know, they've lost Dylan Batances as oh, well. Oh, Batances has been out too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So that team has been hurt in worse places. I mean, they're missing the two biggest bats in Gomes. Not Gomes. I'm still talking about us. In. Uh, uh, John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge, and they're missing their two aces in Severino and, and Paxton. They're missing, you know, their breakout star last year in Andujar. They're missing their, sh- I mean, the shortstop they knew coming into the season. That's why they signed LeMahieu. But they're also missing their backup shortstop in uh, Tulowitzki, which was a given. Um, yeah. They've missed uh, Sanchez for was on has a little spell on the DL too. Uh, Gary Sanchez. But and yet, you know, Aaron Hicks just came back, but he missed all the year. But still, they are ten games over five hundred. Um, so we wanted to look at why they were, what's making them, you know, stay afloat. And it's just that they've gotten good play from guys you wouldn't expect. I mean, and from guys you do expect, like Gary Sanchez. Um, Sanchez has returned to form this year. You know, hitting you know, a bunch of home runs, striking out a bunch. But at least hitting over 200, uh, he's hitting 250 with a 615 slugging, which is you know very good, and has really helped this team, you know, carry up, carry through the lineup with you know missing their two big bats in, in Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton. That's been one of the big things. Uh, but another one has been role players stepping up. Uh, you saw this a lot with the Nats when Davey Johnson, no, uh, David Johnson. I mean when uh, Dusty Baker was manager was when you had guys go down and random guys come up and play well. Um, and this is what you're seeing with the Yankees, too. Uh, namely, Giovanni Shella, who was cast away from the Indians this year, is hitting, you know, 350 with a five uh, with a 900 OPS. Um, but, it, I mean, it doesn't even need to be like that. Like, you look at Cameron Maben, who's been playable in center field after getting yeah. cut from a team in the Giants that has, I, I'm pretty sure... They're doing like a fan raffle contest to see who starts in left field on a given day. Uh, the seagull. Actually, they're having a bunch of seagulls play left field today. Hey, they can cover a lot of ground. Uh-huh. Uh, but, I mean, you look at Domingo Herman, who's taken this big next step and has really developed into the quasi-ace of this staff. I mean, they're getting tons of 
good and great performances from their depth. I mean, and obviously you can't talk about the Yankees start without talking about how weak their schedule has been. I mean, they've played eight games against the Orioles. They've played the dregs of the AL Central, the Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals. Uh, they really haven't played a ton of good teams uh, other than the Rays. They've played the Rays a lot. But, uh, it, it, you know, that being said, they're rolling out what appears to be on its face a triple-A lineup. Uh, mm-hmm. And even if they're playing quad-A teams, they're still winning with that triple-A lineup. I mean, yeah. There were it's there impressive. were players there were players in the in the Yankee lineup in the, the darkest days of late April that I'd never heard of, and they were still yeah. finding ways to win. It, it it's it really is you know impressive the way you can kind of find wins, and this has been my main thing about Davey going back to the Nats is that he hasn't had this ability to find wins where he could you know. Yeah, injuries suck and people get hurt, but... Um, but with Davey, the, the problem is, yes, they're injured, but being injured, like, these are still major league baseball players are close to it, and they're not, they're not playing fundamentally sound baseball. Like, the lack of hitting I can understand, but, you know, I just keep going back to that first inning in Milwaukee where yeah. it was just, I mean... The veterans, you know, Eaton misjudged a fly ball. Uh, you know, there were balls on the infield that weren't turned into outs. It's just like you don't have to be, you know, you don't have to have amazing talent to play baseball better than the Nats have been playing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, the Yankees have, yeah, like you said, they found wins where they could get them, which yep. is an important skill to have. Mm-hmm. Managing to you know sort of adjust your style of play to the pieces you have left. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to have a bunch of injuries on the offset offensive side, you've got to score runs when you have chances, and you've got to you know you maximize your run scoring opportunities and minimize the other teams. Uh, and they did that quite effectively. Everything yeah. sort of worked in sync for them in a way it extremely hasn't for the Nats. No. And I think a lot of that's because of managing. Um, you, know, you have a good leader of men. You know, Again, this, is, this Yankees team reminds me a lot of the Nats back in 2016, 20, or 20, I don't remember exactly. 2017. 2017, where they were held together by duct tape and they managed to win, you know, the division handedly. Um, but yeah. uh, God, I anyway, mean, just, remin- just reminiscing about that yeah. team, though. You look at that team. You know, they didn't have a bullpen for the first half of the season. They had to give no. Matt Albers save opportunities. They, uh, you know, in August when they fixed the bullpen, every offensive player they had seemed to go down, except oddly Ryan Zimmerman. Yes. Uh, and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They they still managed to win baseball games uh, yeah. because they, A, managed to get really good performances out of their role players. 
and B, they managed to, you know, find ways to win when they weren't scoring runs. Their starting pitching stepped up huge in August that year. Uh, you know, Steven Strasburg went into full-on ace mode. But, I mean, it, it's just the, the frustrating thing about this team, and I know this is sort of rambling, but it's just, you know, this team hasn't managed to, to do the things it has to do to win baseball games, as vague as that sounds. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's vague, but it's not wrong. Um, it's frustrating. Uh, but going back to the AL, I saw an interesting article. Well, not interesting. Something that caught my attention this morning uh, from Joel Sherman, where he said from the New York Post, where he said, you know, the five AL division uh, uh, playoff teams have been already de- determined. And then I looked at the AL standings, and I noticed that, you know, outside there are four spots that definitely have probably have been determined. I mean, the Yankees, the Rays look like, you know, I mean, you don't know. It's still early. And they're only five games up. Um, same with the Twins. They're only five games up with the Indians. Still pretty sizable lead. But I just want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, where this the AL has been a lot more interesting than I thought it would be this year. Um, you, I thought you'd have the four definite teams, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Indians, and the Astros making, making the playoffs and then a fight for the last one. And it clearly hasn't been the case this year. You have two different division winners than predicted. Uh, the Red Sox, yeah, they, they got off to a hot stretch. They lost the last two. They're back to around 500. Um, and then the Indians, you know, five games behind the Twins, and that's a lot of, because the Twins have been really good this year. Um, so about a quarter of the way through the season, you know, what are your expectations? What do you think of the uh, AL so far? I think um, I'm, I'm really excited about the AL East. I think we all expected that there would be two contenders for the AL East, and now it really does look like they're three, and I really do think that the, the Rays have some staying power. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, the Yankees are going to get healthy, which is a problem for them. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, that's, to me, the biggest surprise has been both the, the Twins and the Rays. I don't I don't know if the... AL Central is going to get more competitive as we go on. The Twins are looking legit, uh, and I don't just say that because I'm a huge Twins fan, as we all know. Go Twins. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the only division that's really played out as expected is the AL West. And even then, we had the Mariners get off to that insane start before they just well, plummeted. They're now in last place again. Yeah. Yes. They're uh, back to where we thought they would be. Yeah. So uh, at least, I mean, as a person who hates it when teams tank and don't doesn't want to see that rewarded, I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, just the the West looks decided, but the other divisions they're still up for the air or up in yep. the air. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know there's still teams. You know, I you know ultimately you could have the Red the Red Sox and the Indians will be interesting if they fight for the last wild card spot but the i mean the angels are hovering around 500 the a's are close i mean not that close the three games under but who knows what could happen in the rest of the season i think sherman was very wrong when he said that it looks like it's been decided already um but so that's all the time we have for us today um i hope you guys enjoyed our talk it's you know 
little different this week than it has been past. We're still upset about this team because obviously. Yeah. Um, and I hope you'll listen to us again next week. Yep. We're, we're trying not to make every single week, you know, an airing of grievances about the Nats, but they're making but it the very that... difficult not to. Yep. Um, so come back, listen to us next week. Uh, and on that note, we'll see you then. See you next week.